Welcome to the Freelance Forward podcast, a show that helps you create and run your own business to enjoy the freedom, control, and flexibility it brings. I'm your host, Ching Chen, a freelance conference interpreter and language instructor. On this show, I sit down with fellow freelancers from different industries to discuss lessons learned, ideas and strategies, challenges and opportunities, so the rest of us can connect, share best practices, and gather tools and resources to move our freelance business forward. Thanks for spending some time with us today, and let's get started. Welcome, dear listeners, to the final episode of Freelance Forward for 2023. As we reflect on the journey we've shared over the past month, it's only fitting that we close out the year with a topic that resonates deeply with the essence of closure and new beginnings. Today we have Judith Escalier-Rivolio, a leadership trainer and executive coach, also the founder of her own company, Crescendo, an MBA tutor at Fleury Business School and an entrepreneur coach at Artevelde Hochschule. Hi, Judith. Happy to have you here. Hi, Jean. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. Um, before we delve into the topic of the end of the year self-assessment and forward planning for the new year, would you mind if we start by exploring your journey from Bolivia all the way to Belgium? Tell us what happened, what brought you here? Mm-hmm, of course. Well, uh, the journey starts back in 2003 when I was graduating as a commercial engineer in my country. And it okay. was about the time. Yeah. So that has nothing to do with... No, not at all. Not at all. I have never actually even heard of coaching or social science. Not at all. 20 years ago. I do have to say that I wanted to study psychology. Right. uh, But my dad was uh, against it because uh, 20 years ago, um, yeah, psychologists didn't really make a lot of money in in Bolivia. So he was like, no, 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 you're studying something. in his view, worth it. That's not really forward thinking, right? (laughs) But he also cannot predict how many or how much we need psychologists, psychotherapists nowadays. Exactly. If you're a therapist, I think you're fully booked day after day, year after year. Indeed. Mm -hmm. Well, in that regard, I always felt that I wanted to work with people. And that was indeed my original choice. He was, no, you are good with math. You should do something with that and study engineering. So I talked him, uh, I I convinced him to let me go for commercial engineering, which at least has a little bit more of, you know, you use your commercial skills. You are more around people rather than just that focusing on uh, on the numbers so that was a good compromise for uh, for both of us what is commercial engineering actually that is the intersection between um, marketing economy and accounting finance so instead of going for one of the the four really deeply you become a little bit of a generalist until then you discover your true passion and then you can go deeper in and specialize in one of these topics but as a commercial engineer you could basically operate in commercial roles marketing roles finance roles in bolivia is because the first year of university we study five years eh? not in belgium it's only three years to get Hmm, your bachelor interesting in bolivia you get five years of study and the very first year you get all the same courses as any engineering um, degree so calculus uh, differential equations so you really really go into the deep hard math because you are also doing um, you start studying uh, economy and econometrics and macroeconomics and sometimes uh, equation differential equations so you really need the deep knowledge of math as well and it's only uh, as of the third year that you get to see the soft um, the soft skills uh, side of the of the degree so after five years you get a bachelor or the equivalent of bachelor uh, a bachelor indeed oh, so, okay yeah. okay and then what brought you to Belgium 
Well, it was during my last year of studies that I was at an international student organization, and I got to know a lot of people coming from abroad uh, to to work in in Bolivia, and started to discover about different cultures. They were sharing about their countries, and it was you know it was starting to motivate me to see the world. And initially, I was thinking I would like to do a, a master's degree. Um, abroad and then it was like yeah but it will also be amazing to have a professional career um, in another in another country so I convinced my dad to let me go to (laughs) the UK I was just about to ask you how supportive were your parents back then well you know Bolivian culture, like any Latin American culture, is very uh, protective of their kids, especially of women. Uh, you usually live with your parents until you get married. And it's, it was normal, at least at the time I was living there, that women would live there until they were 35, would live with their parents. Huh? But um, so it, it took some convincing. Uh, and my dad said, OK, you can go, but I will not give you any money. <laughs> so I saved uh, everything I could. Uh, I worked uh, as a financial assistant in my, as my first job, saved everything I could for my one way ticket to the UK because I didn't have any money to pay for my studies. I needed to save some money and I needed to learn English because I also didn't speak English. So I arrived in the UK with around 100 euros in my pocket and had to start from scratch and um, got a job as a student because although I had a bachelor's, my degree was not worth anything Mm, in the UK. So I worked at a supermarket, uh, learning the language, saving money. And after two and a half years, I had enough level of English and enough money to apply to universities. And that's how I ended up applying to few universities um, in in Sweden, in in the UK as well, in Belgium and in the Netherlands. And I ended up uh, coming to Belgium in 2007 to do my master's in general management at Flerik Business School. Ah, okay. Because now you're um, also working for Flerik as well. Right. Yes, I have some projects there as well. Uh, so I studied there for um, a year. I did my master's. And when I concluded my master's, I got the opportunity to work at Flerik as a researcher in the strategic management department. So that was a really nice opportunity for me because it got me in touch with many companies in Belgium, not only uh, small and medium enterprises, but also big corporations, banks. Um, and that time, Dexia for I remember I was uh, the account manager. I was working closely with them. Mm. So it it really got me in touch on how companies work on their strategy and how they shape their strategy to go into market. But after five years, the big question was coming uh, from Flerik. (laughs) What's the next step for you? You need to do a PhD. And I do have a lot of respect for people who do PhDs. Me too. But it was not for me. (laughs) It was really not for me. Um, Although I was doing research for all those years, it was more applied research. And in the very last year, it was purely academic research. Mm. And then I really discovered, no, I cannot do this for four years. I need to see people. I need to be in touch with people. So then there was a decision of, okay, I cannot continue in this career path anymore. And then I I left. Hmm, Interesting, because I also made a decision not to pursue PhD I think after I graduated Mm -hmm. Um, so that was eight nine years ago okay however now this idea started resurfacing so Mm -hmm. I'm actually reconsidering should I pursue a PhD right now okay okay let's talk about that later on so um you have studied Uh, You were born and raised in Bolivia. That culture is quite different from the European culture, Mm -hmm. but you also managed to study in uh, the UK, in Belgium. How do you think this kind of cross-cultural experience helped shape your um, perspective as a coach nowadays? Well, it is... um... 
it's always been one of my passions to get to know people from different uh, countries. So not only living in three different countries now, but I love traveling. So I've been to 38 countries, I think, and counting, just to get to know uh, different cultures and understand. And the thing that always comes back is that there is so much talent everywhere. And and people are actually the same. They have these amazing talents, but they don't always recognize how mm. good they are. And that is something that I'm really passionate about. Um, Do you think that is culture specific? That some people are holding back a little bit because mm-hmm. their culture requires them to be humble. Humble Being humble is a virtue, for example, yes. in um, Eastern Asian culture. Definitely, definitely. But the Americans are completely. The I was opposite. going to bring the same examples. Uh, you could say uh, there's this um, probably stereotype that Americans are more open and a little bit more of a peacock. You can uh, you can say, but indeed it's just because in the culture it's more encouraged to show who you are and how good you are, while in others you need to be humble because that's the expectation of uh, of you. Um, but in any case, there is, as I say, talent everywhere. And I love, um, yeah, how it shaped me as a coach. I love looking into that untapped potential to, to help people discover how good they are. I, I really appreciate that insights that sometimes people undervalue mm-hmm. themselves because mm-hmm. they just don't know how much potential they have. Mm-hmm. Um, so now let's zoom in on something that often confuses many people, me included, mm-hmm. the distinctions between coaching, mentoring, um, those similar concepts, mm-hmm. right? So could you shed some light on the myth surrounding these roles and articulate the key differences yeah. between a coach, between a mentor? So. What fundamentally, in your perspective, is coaching Mm -hmm. and how does it differ from other forms of professional support? Mm -hmm. This is a great question because I have to say that when I started my journey as a coach, I was also very confused. I didn't know (laughs) what the difference was Um, when I heard about coaching for the very first time and I was exploring to you know, understand more and and actually get involved into this uh, industry, I had the same question. And the, one of the very first lessons we had um, in our training as coach was to understand the difference between therapy, coaching, and mentoring. Because Therapy? Yeah, even therapy. Because many people, there's the misconception that many people say, no, I don't want to go and talk about my problems with a coach, but a coach is not a therapist. So let me just give you what's the, the difference between the three. So with a coach, you really look into improving performance, into developing your skills, into discovering uh, what are your strengths and how they can help you to achieve your goals. And uh, we look at the obstacles and, and help you create an action plan to overcome them. But coaching is really uh, in the present and to the future. So what do we have right now? And what are the tools we have right now, the skills you have right now, and what do you need to develop to go to the the next phase? However, therapy goes a little bit more into the past. So if sometimes Mm. we talk about limiting beliefs in coaching, we discuss that as well. But many times I encounter as well people that have these limiting beliefs that come really from trauma, Mm. from traumatic uh, experiences, from deeper wounds that coaching cannot cure, you see, cannot help you heal. So yes, in that regard, therapy is the better um, route to take if there are really so deep emotional um, issues that need to be dealt with in order to move into the next step. So that will be the difference between uh, coaching and therapy. And then when we talk about mentoring, then again goes back to 
some people think that going to a coach is to have all the answers, that the coach is going to tell you what to do and how to do it and when to do it. But actually, that is a mentor. A mentor will uh, share their experience, share their struggles, uh, share their network, even their knowledge to help you follow kind of the same steps. I am a mentor. Once a year, at least, I take one mentee, which is usually a young professional with an international background who wants to do the same uh, as I did, study here or become a, you know, have a professional career in, in Belgium or in Europe. So as a mentor, I share my knowledge. I tell them what were my biggest failures. I tell them no, what to avoid and share my network even. But that is in the context of mentoring, while coaching will be really, okay, let's explore about your strengths, about your potential, about your skills. And using that, how are you going to carve your own path? So that's the the big difference between the the three. Mm, okay, because in the introduction you also mentioned that um, you are a generalist. Because I'm reading a very interesting book called Neo Generalist mm-hmm. uh, recently, and traditionally we have two camps, right? We have either the specialists yeah. or the generalists, and then you have this new concept of neo generalist which refers to a group of people or let's say somebody with a range of skills and expertise Mm. and disciplines, experiences and also interests Mm. um, so that they can excel more easily in certain new fields Mm -hmm. while still being able to uh, adapt in different situations. So based on your description of the differences, can I maybe categorize a coach um, into this type of neo-generalist while a therapist and a mentor is probably still a specialist because they help you optimize uh, your function they help you to excel in one specific expertise or discipline while a coach focuses in a multidisciplinary or or bigger picture let's Mm say yeah i think yeah you're you're totally right with the with coaching it will be more multidisciplinary that you need to have a more of a holistic view you cannot focus on just one thing Uh, when i coach i look at all dimensions of life because to me we need to thrive not only in the (laughs) professional life but also in your personal life and a personal life is also also a big part of of um the the way you perform in your professional. Um, as a psychologist, I would say that uh, in this concept goes a little more into the specialist. A mentor, I'm not sure if I will categorize it as like a specialist, I think could be kind of in the middle because right. yes, they are um, the very experienced in their, in their field. But I think that when you talk to a mentor, it can also give you an overview from all other things that they uh, that they have learned or they have perceived from other industries as well and they can also bring that into into the conversation right thank you so much for clearing up the misconceptions that i've been having for many many Mm -hmm. years now speaking of coaching what aspects of it do you find most enjoyable ah I have found really <laughs> the place and, and the industry that makes me really happy. I I love what I do, and this is uh, well, what what makes me passionate about this. Like I told you, I see talent and uh, everywhere and potential everywhere. So to me, uh, the fact that I can help somebody get consciousness about their strengths and about the things they they can achieve and inspire them to not just survive in life but thrive in their professional life in their personal life that is really what uh, gets me out of bed every every day to to be able to drive the transformation yes for them. to bring consciousness so they can get inspired to 
to live the life they want and uh, in that in that sense inspire others as well for the past year um who do you or did you enjoy coaching the most and why just give us some concrete examples because i know you coach a really broad range of people Mm -hmm. from executives to freelancers entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. um, who are very experienced and probably high profile professionals to Mm -hmm. students who might just dream about turning Mm -hmm. his or her ideas business ideas to reality Mm -hmm. yeah I have one uh, uh, one client that is very close to my heart because we worked together for three years, three whole coaching processes, and her transformation was unbelievable. She um, is originally from Spain, and she mm-hmm. started as a chef uh, here in Belgium, and that's oh, well. I think she she. She was already qualified to be a chef uh, in Spain and came here. Um, she learned the language. Um, then there was a moment that she said, okay, I want to switch careers. And she wanted to go into corporate and not only go into corporate, she wanted to go up the career ladder and get to sea level. Yeah, the very uh, she on her own took uh, the, 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 the step of studying and getting a degree on top of her full-time job so she studied for a few years to get a a degree a a bachelor degree that will be you know accepted to Mm -hmm. enter the corporate world and uh, this is when we kind of started working together because she was like okay now my first uh, I I worked for a year uh, they were happy with my performance and now they asked me to be a team leader of uh, I think it was five people so this was for her the 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 very first step of climbing the corporate ladder the first milestone yes and then she was aware that okay I need to improve my skills I need to really you know um accelerate my growth at the same rate of my my dreams so we started working together and we talked about uh, you know we we worked on her leadership skills communication skills even presentation skills then she was in this podium presenting for 300 people and she yeah in the i remember very well we wrote the very first time what her goals were really long term and she saw herself i'm having a flexible life where i can take care of my children but also i am this career woman that i'm climbing the corporate ladder i'm gonna get to sea level and she achieved it she really uh, got every single thing that she dreamt of and to me it's such a success story such an inspiring story because she took charge of her life and she said okay this is what i want and at one moment she said okay i need somebody to 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 help me a little bit to push me and yeah look at her now the things that she has achieved they are amazing and how often do you actually work with experts in uh, a specific field because you said together you worked on for example something as specific as presentation skills Mm. right so i wonder if you collaborate together uh with a public speaking coach Mm -hmm. to improve her skills in that yeah i know also my limitations when i can uh, help i know that i can uh, provide those skills because Besides being an executive coach, I also am a leadership trainer and I give uh, trainings to organizations in different um, leadership uh, topics, one of them uh, communication presentation skills. So in that regard, it was a good uh, fit and a good match. But if if it's really out of my scope, then I will definitely uh, put her in touch or put any of my clients in touch with somebody who is more of an expert in in that specific topic because um, I know that, yeah, whoever comes to me wants to get the help they need. And if I cannot provide it, then I have, I'm happy to refer it to somebody else who can. Okay, Judith, so in that book, 
um, the author said there are six most important questions to address in life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're a generalist or a specialist or a neo-generalist. Right. So these six questions are what drives you, mm-hmm. why do you care, when do you show up, how do you learn, where are you heading, and who are you. So during your process of coaching, do you have a framework with, you know, questions like this where you ask every single client or it's a really case by case uh, process? Yeah, I mean, these are really profound and deep questions that we try to answer throughout a whole coaching process. So it's not as easy as asking this question to the person and getting the answer. Many times they go through a coaching process to to discover this. How I work is uh, usually very uh, customized and individualistic uh, for each client. At the beginning, the only thing that I do with all my clients is what I call a reality check, uh, where they really share with me all the dimensions of their life. Because again, even though you have goals for your professional life, I, I want to understand everything that comes around that. And then is when we make an evaluation of the different dimensions and they score themselves in uh, in each of these dimensions. And then they themselves realize, Oi, okay, I need to work on this dimension of my life and this dimension. And then from then onwards, all the sessions, um, the only question, common question that I ask is, okay, what do you want to work on today? And depending on the topic they bring, then the questions really flow depending on the situation. So it's not that I have prepared questions, but in a sense, after a whole coaching process, we will address these questions that you just uh, told me who you are, what drives you, how do you learn and uh, how do you show up? But that comes really from different sessions, different conversations that we have. Mm, But during the sessions and conversations you've had with so many different clients with different backgrounds, are there any recurrent mm-hmm. questions or doubts they have um, about their career, about their, I don't know, work-life balance? Are there any questions that keep on coming back to yeah, you? Definitely, especially because I work with um, and leadership coaching and uh, with people who are in corporate or entrepreneurs. A lot of topics come back um, in a way of trends, and then you can say what what you just mentioned, work-life balance, people really trying to take it all, and uh, that they're not able to delegate, but when you keep exploring, it really comes down to their inability to say no, to set boundaries, mm. to be assertive enough. Um, That's a big one. And you see, mm. and, 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 or not knowing what their passion's about, what gives them energy or not. So these can be the common threads that come, but how they get manifested or how people express them are totally different. But the, 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 the root, you could say, that can be the same for many people as well. Mm, yeah, saying no in life, I think that is a that is a big topic to address, especially if you are a people pleaser in nature i would say Mm -hmm. but no matter what hat you wear in any aspect of life um saying no can be daunting now in the world of um freelancing saying no to our project managers to our teammates to our clients potential clients can be also delicate sometimes you have this insecurity or this voice at heart saying well will this no right now cut off many potential yeses in the future because you don't want this to be a once and for all rejection to this potential client let's say for example so what what is what is the art of that what is the art of saying no and what strategies or um, considerations do you recommend when making this decision? Mm-hmm. That's a, such a great question because it is a topic that comes back a lot and I love this framework from the book The Power of a Positive No. The author is William 
Uri, I want to say. I'm not sure about the pronunciation. It's written U R Y. Okay, I'm going to insert that to the show notes. Yes, please. So don't that's worry about that's that. a great book. And I love the framework uh, of the positive no, which is basically a sandwich, which is a yes, no, yes answer. That's the, that's the same structure as giving <laughs> constructive feedback. feedback which actually right? it's a meat that doesn't work. The, the feedback sandwich, no, that doesn't work. But no. The, the no sandwich that does uh, work. Uh, we can talk about the feedback later yes, if you want. Yes, because then I feel like, oh my God, I've been misleading my students for business English, you know, because uh, yeah. I've been teaching them I, the, the sandwich skills to give constructive feedback, but of yeah. course, from uh, the point of view of language use. But yeah, yeah, tell me yeah. more about that after this session. I'm interested. Yeah, in okay. Um, we dive into the, the no framework now, the yeah. positive no. So what this means is that we start with, um, with a positive response, uh, validating the request of the other person. We don't need to make them feel guilty for asking us something. So I'm going to give an example. I'm going to first explain the framework and then give you a couple of examples. Then you say a no, but a clear no, not an ambiguous uh, mm. no and maybe no. It needs to be a clear no. And then so the you, door is shut right now. Yes. And is then it? you close with a positive sentence uh, or you offer a different solution an alternative solution so let me give you a couple of examples in the past i have yeah i do executive coaching i also do trainings and sometimes when i work for a long time with a company uh, it happens that they ask me to take on a different role or or to join the company, um, you know, and it usually comes with a, such a nice conversation. You know, we're very happy with what you are doing and what you have helped us uh, create here. And we would like to have you on board and join our company. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I, I, I really know what you're talking about, because last <laughs> week I was working at a factory yeah. manufacturing springs for yeah. mattresses. So by the end of the week, when I was saying goodbye to everyone, uh-huh. I think the technicians were like, oh, are you sure you cannot stay and work for us? Okay. And the engineers were like, oh, too bad you're an interpreter. Uh-huh. Otherwise you can join us, you know. Yeah. I, yeah, I totally yeah. get what you mean. No, indeed. And I mean, it's 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 a nice feeling eh? because they are happy with what you have done. Absolutely. Um, but the start to say no, first of all, is to do a not to-do list you know we have a to-do list but a not to-do list so for myself uh years ago in my not to-do list is never work um employed again or in in an assignment that takes most of my time because i have really clear notes exactly so for me i know that i'm very happy with my balance of uh, my students at Artebelde or uh, coaching uh, my private clients, coaching for Fleric or giving trainings to company, I'm happy with that balance and that's what really makes me thrive. So I know that if I would take a bigger uh, role that comes with responsibilities that I don't want, managing people or having to deal with administration or bureaucracy. So that is a clear no for me. So when this company uh, was telling me, you know, we want to offer you this position, please come and join us. So I knew already that I had to say no. Okay, but how do you say a, a, a nice no so you don't close those doors? So then I use the framework and I thank them first. So thank you so much for your nice words. I really appreciate um, that, that, that you value what I have done for you. And I really enjoyed working with you guys as well. Then you go into the no. Unfortunately, due to the current commitments and future commitments I already made, I am not able to take on this extra responsibility because I will not be able to give you my 100% as you deserve. Mm. And then you go in the positive yes. If you want, I can refer you to somebody who I think would be interested. Of course, if that's true, then you can say that. Or if you don't know anybody, I, I will be happy to collaborate in the sense that we still have 
And uh, yeah, I wish you the best <laughs> looking for somebody else, you know, or I will put you in contact with somebody else. So you see, in this is a yes, no, yes, but I was very clear. I thanked them. I validated the request. Didn't make them feel guilty, like, who do you think you are? You no, know, I'm you, independent. Uh, you, no, you actually make them yeah. feel very important exactly. by saying, by not being able to fulfill maybe the promise that I'm going to give you because I cannot be 100% engaged due to exactly. other responsibilities, and then actually that's not what you deserve because exactly. then you elevated their value. Exactly. You validated their exactly. value. Exactly. Mm. And I find that if you say I cannot give you my 100%, Everybody understands because nobody right. wants you wants to give that you give them, you know, your 50%, your 20%. They want you for one reason. And you so, own that. Exactly. It's, it's, it's because of me. Mm -hmm. It's not because of this position. Exactly. Not being attractive enough. Exactly. Me or, mm. Exactly. So that is a, a way that you can say no to a project you don't want to take without closing the doors. But let's say you are in the middle of a project and something changes and you don't want that while you are already there. Example, I had this client who has a website development agency and they took this on this project to develop a website for a client. The budget is agreed, the timeline is agreed. And as usually, as the client comes sometimes with an extra request you know to add Most of the time. into into that contract <laughs> if so if if it's something small and you can work it out of course it's nice to to accommodate the client because you want to to show that you are bringing value but if really and and you make the clear reflection that okay no this is out of scope out of budget it's going to take me more time then it's time to to use the positive no framework and this client I can't remember the exact words, but he sent an email saying something like, um, I don't know, I'm just going to throw a name here. Um, Hello, Tim. Thank you for your message. I really believe that this feature you are suggesting will bring more value to the visitors. So that's the yes. Unfortunately, we, we will not be able to create uh, or work on this feature because as you know we are very much focused and committed to deliver the website under the time constraints and budget constraints we originally agreed and then the closing is if you think this new feature is a must-have before we launch i will be happy to create a separate proposal with a new budget and timeline for you so you see you are validating the client request but you are making it very clear that okay under these circumstances this is what we can provide and if you want that that's okay but that's going to be with the a separate step. yeah exactly mm, because Sorry. that's not what we agreed what our priorities exactly. or focus should be at exactly. this stage. And you mm. can also, again, say like we're giving our 100% to deliver mm. what we have agreed upon. And, uh, and that's why we cannot do the other one. But then you say, OK, if you really want this done, I can find a way around it. But then I will give you a different proposal so I can find, you know, extra help um, to deliver. I, I just wonder, huh? <laughs> uh -huh. I wonder, do you have a template mm. where we can just use to say no properly? Like every time we have to say no to this client, yeah, mm -hmm. we pull out that template and we just change the content a little bit depending on your role. So do you have yeah. a template ready with, for example, for uh, website designers, mm -hmm. for coaches, well, not for not event this, organizers. Not a, a template as as such. I I think uh, when when you know the framework, the yes, no, yes, and knowing that in the no, it needs to be very clear. And this is not in the book, but my hack is always use the I cannot give you my hundred percent. You know, mm, right. um, but. You could have some templates for yourself prepared. Uh, I think for first time in Outlook as yes, well, for, because for um, 
I can I can create a quick uh, template for for mm. our audience and uh, so we can put it in the show notes if you want. Yeah, because I think the more you do it, the more yeah. comfortable. Definitely, I definitely started get. just by writing, mm. because you can you know try many times. As the more you practice, then the more you can say it. Also in person, when somebody just offers you, you know, like at that in that situation, a job <laughs> on the spot. And you need to reply it immediately because if you say, I'm going to think about it, then mm-hmm. yeah, you need to say no immediately. So yeah, the more, more you practice, the more automatic it comes as and well. And more confidence and sense of affirmation yes. you have. And also at the same time, less guilt or mm-hmm. less concerns or worries. Yes. Stemming out of that. Yes. yes. Right. Now, as we approach the end of the year, mm-hmm. and we're also recording the very last episode this year, so many of us engage in self-assessment. So why do you think this practice of self-assessment important? And what steps should freelancers take to have a meaningful end-of-year self-assessment? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love this question as well because I think it's such an important practice that we don't do enough. And remember, I don't I, do it. Yeah, remember I told you I see so much untapped potential everywhere. And usually it's because we don't take the time to make the reflection. So whenever I'm working with clients, but also for myself, and now that my kids are old enough, I also want to start this exercise with them. It's just going, uh, it's just asking yourself three questions. And I always want to start with the first question is, what did it go well this Mm -hmm. year? And sometimes when you sit and you think, I don't know, I cannot think of anything, or just you think of one thing, go to your calendar, go to your outlook, And it's just such a nice way to, you know, recap your year and remember, oh, yeah, I had this presentation or I had this meeting, had this deadline. Oh, I was so stressed and oh, it went so well. And celebrate. And celebrate. Exactly. We Mm. need to celebrate more what we have achieved. So we realize our value moving forward. Once you've done that and you go through your whole year, while you are doing that, you are also going to start discovering the answers for the second question. What didn't go that well, you know? And then the third question is what I have learned from this. So, yeah, just an an, an example. Um, I was starting to look at my calendar and I had this big project in March. Uh, I was going to give a new training and I had nothing. So I was really... Uh, working really hard on that and it went amazing the the feedback I got it was amazing but while I was looking at my calendar I also realized I had overbooked myself that I had a lot of clients at the time I had a lot of uh, teaching assignments so I was really overworked and after I delivered this new training although I felt amazing, I was also exhausted. So I learned that if I ever take on the, the job of creating a whole new training from scratch, I need to create more uh, space in my agenda, don't take too many extra projects. So you see, you feel great, then you realize, okay, this could be better in this way. And what have I learned? Okay, this is what I want to do different next year. It's really interesting because those three questions that really reminded me of the time when I just started my traineeship mm-hmm. in London after graduation. It was the exact same set of questions yeah, yeah. my well supervisor or lecturer back at university who turned to my boss later mm-hmm. on um, asked us to do or to finish after each single interpreting assignment. Yeah. Same three questions. Yes. What have you done well? What didn't go so well? Mm-hmm. What can be improved next time? Yes, definitely. But I, I just eventually stopped doing that yeah. because it's oh, it's like, oh, you have to spend 
I don't know, half an hour, an hour reflecting after each assignment, mm. and it just it just got too much, and and you, I don't know, you got too lazy,、yeah. and you thought maybe every time、oh, I'm just saying or writing down the same thing, so what's the point of that?、Mm-hmm. But maybe that was too often. That could be year, as well. End of the year is year? once a year. We usually have holidays as well, so that's something we can definitely.、Achieve. It can be,、no. and you know, just have coffee with yourself, looking at your calendar and reviewing your year. And here I have a template that can help you, so you don't need to, you know, do some extra work. Just print it out or fill it up, and write down、uh, what went well, but not only in the professional context, but also in all other dimensions of your life. And that's having that. Reflection done is a great starter for the next year because then you have your objectives done already for next year. The only thing you need to do for yourself is say, "Okay, this is what I want, what I want to achieve in 2024."、Mm. I'm just thinking out loud here. I think you mentioned we can do it. We can have a coffee、mm. with ourselves. Yeah. But I'm thinking maybe we can also turn that to a group session. So、yeah. we invite. Some fellow entrepreneurs or freelancers,、oh, or even friends from different、yeah. industries, and we sit together over coffee. We do that together, so you have some accountability partners、definitely. to kind of push you and motivate you to get this done. Yeah, and imagine all the fun stories you're gonna share together and celebrate the successes. That's also a really nice idea, because accountability. It's something that is gonna help you to achieve your goals as well, and it's also nice to have these people to celebrate what you have achieved. So you really, yeah, realize how good you are and what what can you achieve with all that talent you have.、Mm, amazing.、Um, if I think about the first guest that we had on the show, I remember he also does that on a yearly basis, but he does two. Mm-hmm. Assessments.、Mm-hmm. One evaluating the professional development. Yeah. The other one evaluating the personal、mm-hmm. development or personal life. So that's looking back, right?、Mm-hmm. Looking forward, what do we do? Well, this is,、uh, as I said, like a good、um, starting point because now you have an idea of what、um, you want to improve、uh, next year. So what I do is to look at、um, the different dimensions of my life. So the one says yes, career it's important to me, but then personal development is also important. Health, finance is another、uh, dimension, and then go into relationships, relationship with my husband, relationship with my kids, relationships with my friends and 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 family. In this way, I'm evaluating. Okay, maybe this year I didn't make a lot of effort to see my friends. So a goal for me will be, okay, once a month I need to actively organize something to to do something with a friend. You see, something so small, but it's gonna bring you, you know, just happiness and joy. Because、um, many times we think that goals need to be strictly professional. How many clients we need to have, or how much money we need to make, but actually goals can be about everything,、uh, everything you want. And not goal from one person is going to be the same as as the other one. What I always like to to have is one big goal. The theme of the year, and then goals for each of the other dimensions. And I'm sure nobody、yeah. who is forty, not、um, not, I don't want to say nobody, but I don't think a lot of people who is forty year old, who is forty,、uh, had the same goal as me this year, which was getting my driver's license. You know, that was the big goal for me this year. And you did, and I did because it. you drove、yeah. to the studio this <laughs> I morning. I did, I did. So you see, it's really. Having goals that are gonna ignite a fire on you, and important thing is that not to focus on only one dimension of life,、uh, because many people tend to focus just on career or just on finances. But look at everything. The idea is to thrive not only professionally but also in your personal life. Because they're all interconnected, right? Definitely, definitely. If you're Feeling good in、um, your private life when you thrive in the relationships、yes. with the family, with friends, then you just feel happy、yes. and good and motivated to go to work. 
Definitely. So it's, it's a positive loop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Building on that, when it comes to personal development, what, what areas should we consider investing in ourselves? Especially as we look towards the future mm-hmm. with a lot of uncertainties, with changes that brought by the technological advancement and and god knows when the next pandemic will hit so (laughs) what should we invest in ourselves yeah of course each person is different and they know what they want to learn where they want to improve but i feel that there are at least four things that we should all master no matter your background no matter your age no matter what you want to accomplish in the future and that is first of all know your strengths there is so much focus uh, nowadays in your weaknesses and what you need to be better on but focus on learning about yourself about what are you good at because just as any company that that's a reflection of what they are good and what's their competitive advantage, what's their value proposition, we need to do that reflection too. So number two is to sell ourselves, learn to sell yourself. But how do you do this? By discovering first, what's your competitive advantage? What do you Mm. do better than other people? You see? And then learning about the weaknesses and, 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 and trying to improve your skills are just going to reinforce who you already are and the talents you already have and just magnify that potential you have. Number three, I think it's important that everybody learns to set good boundaries. So learn to say no. And um, that's that's something that to know for yourself what uh, you want to do and what you don't want to do. So becoming assertive, that's number three. And then number four, I will also say, learn what gives you energy and what takes energy away from you. What are you, what's your drudgery zone, you know, that really you hate doing. So you can really just do this not to do list. I don't want to do that. It's all interconnected. But these four things I feel that everybody should learn to do, no matter your background, no matter your age. Yeah, I think not to do list is such a fantastic idea because mm-hmm. my journals are full of to do lists, but to do list day by day because mm-hmm. I don't like to plan ahead too long term. Yeah, um, but I never had this not to do list. Of course, I know in life, in general, what I don't want to step into, yeah, or w- what kind of things that I don't wish to happen in my life. Mm-hmm. But when you transform that into concrete action plans, just like yeah. a to-do list, I never come up with a not-to-do list. Um, so that's, yeah, that's a very, very, very interesting takeaway for me for today. Yeah. But also allow me to summarize what you just said, because I found all of those points very important. What should we consider investing in ourselves? So first of all, we, instead of, only focusing on addressing our weaknesses, we should also pay attention to how to strengthen or magnify our strengths. Yes. So that we know how to sell ourselves Mm -hmm. and pitch. So that's the second point. And then third, um, it's important to set boundaries, Mm -hmm. learning to say no, Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably that would fall into the category of effective communication yeah, because being you assertive. also yes. need to be able to communicate that. Definitely. Um, and then the last one is to know what energizes you and what drains you. Definitely. Yes. Mm. Good. Excellent advice, Judith. Thank you so much for chatting with us mm-hmm. today. I'm not sure if there is anything that I didn't cover, but you really want the community to take away with this session now that we are discussing these four points the thing that is really just coming to me is maybe you can even summarize in two points to join this uh, to to put all these four items together is just discovering what's your genius zone and what's your drudgery zone so your genius zone is what are you good at what's your talent and what you're passionate about drudgery zone is whatever that takes 
away energy from you, drains you, and the communication is the bridge to mm. set yourself in one camp and not in the other. Wow, I'm sure our listeners have gained tremendous value from your expertise today. And now I think we all know the drill as we're nearing <laughs> the end of this episode. Three last questions okay. for you, for all of our guests. Next thing to accomplish on your bucket list. Oh, uh, my big topic and objective for next year is to learn French. I've been wanting to do it since I'm 10 years old. And I haven't because it was always a priority. No, I need to learn English. And then when I moved to Belgium, no, I need to learn Dutch. And now finally I'm feeling like, okay, I love how the French language sounds. I want to learn it. So um, what kind of level do you want to achieve? Uh, professional proficiency or conversation, everyday conversation level? And how much time do you give yourself? Uh, for next year, I think it will be realistic for me to achieve a conversational. Maybe um, if we talk about levels, uh, probably a B1, B2. That will be realistic. That's very ambitious. I know. Considering the busy agenda you have. I know. Okay. But more. yeah, you need to also step out of your comfort zone. Eh? If Push I say, yeah, if mm-hmm. I say I want to do B2 and I only reach B1, not going to be unhappy. That's going to be still better than uh, than an A1, you see. So it needs to push me a little bit and and it needs to be challenging. Even if I don't accomplish it 100% as I want, if I get there more than 80%, I'm going to be very happy. Healthy pl- uh, pressure. Definitely, mm. yes. Three people to dine with if you had the opportunity to, to choose. Okay. Um, first of all, I would love to dine with my grandmother. I lost her when I was already living in the UK and I was 21 and I never had really the chance to talk to her as an adult. Uh, Right, as an adult. Mm. Yes, and I would love to hear more about her story because I think she was a remarkable woman that could give me such lovely advice for the future and I'm feeling a little bit emotional but I think that should be such a could be such a nice experience too were you very close when you were a kiddo yes Mm. yes but it was the the grandma grandkid dynamic and I would love to get to know her as a person as well then second one I would love to have the chance to dine with Florencia Andre uh, and ask her if she wants to be my mentor <laughs> because she is from Argentina uh, but she actually uh, became one of the very first uh, Latin American speakers in TED Talk, giving TED Talks uh, invited in this platform Mind Valley. I don't know if you know it's such a it's a big platform in the <laughs> in the US I do. My, do my best friend who is a um, psychotherapist okay. Georgia she actually asked me not long ago probably a month ago okay she said i'm gonna buy this subscription of okay. this mind valley thing are yeah. you in so we can split the cost and enjoy okay. all the courses together yeah yeah so, so it, she, she's the founder of no she's not the founder but what they do is that they invite different um specialists yeah. and they speak and they create courses and they have these oh, big so events and, sh- and then they are in podium to to inspire others so and her course is there as well yeah and i and would love about? to um, uh, about leadership as right. well so a little bit of a coaching and leadership and finding your your path and understanding about yourself and and that's you know something i would love to do as well so i would love her to be my mentor or just you know pick her brain because she didn't she wasn't born in the U.S. She didn't grow up already in the U.K. or in Europe. Or in she came from Latin America, just like I did, and she's living, you know, this amazing uh, life, professional life, inspiring so many people. And I would love to learn more and ask her to be mine. And then the last one, uh, I'm not sure if I'm butchering his name. <laughs> He's from <laughs> Denmark, so hopefully I'm not. It's Torbjorn Pedersen, he is the first guy that visited every single country in the world without taking one plane. He never flew anywhere. He 
travel by by bus, by donkey, by foot, uh, by ferries, boats, anything, any way you can imagine except a plane. But he was also saying that if you usually fly, you spend so much money that you want to, you know, just go and explore the, the most touristic places and then move on while not having this stress of I need to book a plane, I need to do that. I, if I can travel by road, then I get to experience the culture. And then it became a little more of, yeah, the, the, the climate, eh? not, okay, this is good. I'm, I'm, I'm going to set the challenge of visit everything be, be, uh, without using a single plane. So, yeah, that, I, I, I think that's such an amazing experience. Uh, and I would love to hear more about that. Amazing experiences usually come out of crazy ideas. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, best piece of advice ever received? Be the change you want to be in the world. You want to see in the world. Let me repeat it again. Be the change you want to see in the world. Be the change that you want to see in the world. Yes. Thank you so much, Judith. Thank you so much for having me. Happy holidays, everyone, and uh, hope you all have a wonderful time with your loved ones. See you next year. Thanks for tuning in today. This is the Freelance Forward podcast, a show by freelancers and for freelancers. If you want to be part of this journey, join the community on our Facebook group, Freelancers in Belgium or get in touch via podcast at freelancersinbelgium.be. Feel free to ask questions and suggest guests because we love your feedback. My name is Ching Chen. I hope you remember to take extra good care of yourself as you do your work out in the world. Keep on freelancing and till the next episode.